This episode contains spoilers for Promising Young Woman and Revenge 2017. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Movies in a Podshell podcast. The podcast which takes one great film and couples it with a classic movie from another era. And for the second week running, it isn't from another era, but we do what we want. This week's pick, Promising Young Woman. I'm Jamie, and as per usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Casper the Friendly Ghost. (laughs) But you can call him Johnny. The duvet is back out in full force after having positive feedback about how much better my microphone sounded last week's episode. We're back again. I'm under the sheets. That sounded weird, but hey... Yes, that's it. We, you are under the sheets. And like I said last week, I feel like I'm there with you. It's such a precarious setup. I've literally got a light stand on my desk and a light stand behind me and a duvet over the top. I, if I move my chair slightly back, this light stand will topple at any point. So if you hear a large crash, don't worry. It's fine. Uh, we'll get it sorted. I mean, it's April. Um, so I'm just looking forward to the July episodes when it's you are going to be sweating it's already toasty and yeah it's early days on the pod let's hope we don't go as long as last episode because i was roasting hot that evening i mean i don't care because i'm not editing so uh, the last episode <laughs> I, I always seem to get the longest edit so we so what if uh, to peek behind the curtain if you will our dear listener we actually take turns and edit in the podcast which makes it um much nicer so um, and yeah, it's it's just we're just lucky, aren't we, that we can both edit podcasts. That's it. It's my week, so Jamie will make as many mistakes as possible, which you won't notice in the edit. I mean, that's a complete <laughs> lie because I I'd I say, think we've got a good flow going now. I'd say ninety percent of re-edits in podcasts are usually my fault, anyway. So there we go. This is not about the blame game, Johnny. This is about this is about movies in a pod show. This is about what you've been watching this week, which we always start with. And so what yeah, have you been watching since the last episode? So Film Forager did a tweet about, sorry, uh, Instagram post about how good the new uh, King Kong Godzilla film is. So I haven't watched that yet, but I watched the previous Godzilla film, Kings and Monsters, because I wanted to have seen all of them before I went in. I don't mm. think it would have been that essential, really. But I had really good fun with it. I don't think it's great. I just, I just enjoyed it for a bit of fun. It was on Now TV. And it was classic, really chilled out Sunday afternoon, chucked it on, had fun with it. And it's Millie Bobby Brown. Is it Carl Chandler, the guy from Bloodline, which I always obsess um, with? I think it's I've Carl never Chandler. seen Bloodline, so... I don't, I don't oh, sorry. Know. Yeah, so I enjoyed it. I just... <laughs> it's fun monster nonsense, and there's some good fights at the end. I think a lot of the complaints about that one are they make the fights hard to see because they make it more realistic. Whereas in the, the latest one, they just go all out. Look, it is what it is. Go with it. And it's a bit more sci-fi. So I'm really looking forward to watching the next one on that recommendation. So I watched that. I quite enjoyed it. And to be honest, aside from that, I've been watching a lot of TV, a show that I'm really keen on at the moment, which was recommended to me by a friend of the pod, PB. Coronation Street. No, <laughs> niche. <laughs> no, uh, Flight Attendant. Uh, it's on Now TV. It stars Kaylee Cuoco from Big Bang Theory, and she yeah. plays a flight attendant. If you watch Gogglebox in the UK, then you'll have seen what the first episode setup is. But essentially, she finds herself in a classic Hitchcock wrongman situation, and we watch it play out. And I love it. I've I've not seen a show 
that distinctive have such a distinctive style in so long and it's so refreshing and it's also like you know me I watch quite a lot of depressing thrillers and crime things so it's quite nice watching something which is a bit more tongue in cheek so you've just started watching it haven't you I watched the first episode last night and I very much enjoyed it I'm not as you know I'm not a huge TV watcher um, mm-hmm. well I, I say that like obviously I am, I am I guess like more than most people I'll I finished all the the big ones as, yeah. as you will, like Game of Thrones, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I guess I'm more film. The reason why I prefer films is just because I know that that runtime is it. And yeah. the thing, the the problem I have with a lot of these TV shows is that they they must run for 13 episodes on Netflix and stuff. Yeah. The thing I liked about the Flight Attendant, eight episodes. Yeah, and I always when I see something's a shorter series now it really attracts me to actually watch it because i'm not worried about it being dragged out or being you know getting rubbish over too many seasons but what i really like about it and i'm going to nerd out quickly and then i'll stop the title sequence i think i chatted to you about it before is very soul bass inspired so he did the title sequence for spartacus he did vertigo psycho so uh in the title sequence it's it's using the idea we actually talked about it on the podcast Hitchcock and Fincher used the opening title sequence to set the mood for the project rather than it be an arbitrary it doesn't matter get the names out it's this whole thing where you see the flight attendant's lifestyle and how this event caused it all to go wrong on her running away and falling and it's all through animation it uses really cool colours and it's there's literally the vertigo fall from the dream sequence in Vertigo when Jimmy Stewart is falling backwards and it's the, also used a lot in uh, Mad Men. It's in the Mad Men intro. It's quite yeah, a used, yeah, course, yeah. used uh, um, element of it. And I just love it. It's so distinctive. And the music's crazy, isn't it? It's like a full-on 60s Catch Me If You Can vibe. And Yeah, so uh, I was going to say that, actually. Like, Catch Me If You Can. Is, yeah. that, that is, um, that's a similar, isn't it? Very similar inspiration, 100%. And, and I think Spielberg was definitely going for that vibe. But it's just so distinctive. And, and you know me, for anything on TV that, that that's different and trying to do something else, then I'm, I'm more than up for it. So I've really enjoyed it. We're about five episodes in. So we, we're towards the end, I suppose. But yeah. How about you? What have you been watching? Well, I have been watching quite a few little bits and pieces of... So first of all, I watched one of my all-time favourite films... Um, that I guess not a lot of people will have heard of unless they've heard me banging on about it all the time. It's called Three O'Clock High and I did that for a little event that a couple of friends were running on Instagram. So Three O'Clock High is essentially, and it's a really interesting story around it, to be honest. Like, so it's, it is, it's a teen, like, um, 80s comedy slash, like, school-based drama. So it's a Jerry Mitchell and he bumps he's bumped into like he's like a news reporter in school and he bumps into this new psycho that um, goes to the school that's been kicked out of all the other schools and he's got to do a a report on him like like an interview like oh welcome to the school and he accidentally um, touches this guy like pats him on the shoulder and be like yeah it'll be fine and this guy doesn't like being touched so he's like you've made me you've made me real mad Jerry and now I'm gonna have to work off my anger you and me three o'clock so he's, he's gonna beat him up at three o'clock and jerry mitchell basically spends the whole entire day trying to get out of this fight and he does everything possible to get out of it it's amazing it was produced by steven spielberg not a lot of people know that um casey simaz goes in it who's in the back to the future films he's in uh, young guns of mice and men stand by me like so he's had a like re- decent career. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those little under the radar films that not a lot of people have seen that I picked up on VHS. That's a car boot sale, funnily enough. Surely not. 
I've never heard exactly. that before. What a what a way to find a film. Well, exactly. <laughs> Who knew? And then um, Arrow have had like a really uh, good sale on. So Arrow Video, um, check it out. I mean, for those of you listening in the future, it's April the 22nd, 2021. <laughs> um, at this moment in time. I don't know if the sale's still on, but it was. Um, I started watching... So I've, I've got a Spanish slasher called Pieces, which I've been eyeing up oh. for ages. It's so much fun. Um, basically, it's... Uh, a Boston detective searches for a maniac responsible for mutilating um, university like co-eds and it's 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 like a murder mystery like it's absolutely fantastic and it's basically the what it, it starts off like this kid hacks his mother to oh, death oh god of course he um, does because he's, he's he's actually making so it's called Pieces <laughs> this is really funny it's stressing me out just called, hearing about it go on yeah well we'll talk about a film later that definitely stressed you out um <laughs> So pieces like it's called pieces because this kid is like he's he's doing a jigsaw and but the jigsaws of a naked lady and his mum walks in like kicks off at him and then he retaliates by like slashing her to death. Oh um, god! And then yeah, so it, it's really it's it's great. Like it's so much fun and I loved it. And the the gore scenes are just like yeah, they're amazing. Um, I then watched Sound of Metal, which is obviously a new, that's one of the new films like Oscar, it's up for Oscar at the moment. Yeah. So um, it's directed by Darius Marder. I'm sure everyone's heard of it. Yeah. So it's basically a drummer from like a punk slash like death metal band. Um, he basically loses his hearing like really rapidly. Um, and it's about him coming to terms with um, his future. And it's been really celebrated, um, particularly its portrayal of, the deaf community and how they like how they tr- how they um interact and stuff and it's really like it was really eye-, eye opening for me really because there's like i've got i've actually got a deaf friend who um I, t- I told to watch it and he was he loved it because of the there's a there's a thing in the deaf community where and i, I don't know if this is the whole deaf community but it's certainly like I, I think it's most of them he certainly is of that and like he's a deaf person he they're against the cochlear implant so you can get like a cochlear implant nowadays that where you can still it, it allows you to hear um so the deaf community is completely against this because they believe that actually like uh, deafness isn't a it's not a a disability it's actually like you 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 can communicate better than anyone um and this is like a, a running joke in the deaf community they say um if you ever want a secret to get out tell tell a deaf person like and it's it's really wonderful in how the whole um, the, the films the films made portrayed the how Riz Ahmed like goes through uh, all of his experiences. He actually learnt American Sign Language and he learnt drums for the film. Wow! It's just it's it's brilliant. Like and I, I I tell anyone to watch it. It's on Amazon Prime at the moment. I like Riz Ahmed. I've seen him in a few things. Um, I think he's I think he's good. He's an engaging yeah, guy. Yeah, I didn't realize he was he used to be a rapper as well. Is he English? He is, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I um, thought he was. I think he's really Cockney. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He was in a TV show a few years ago. I'm trying to remember what it was. But anyway, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to lie. The first time I really remember seeing him was Star Wars Rogue One. And then I've seen him in a lot since then. Right. He, I hate Rogue One. So. I, wow. Anyway, we'll gloss over that for another day. Uh, Johnny getting scared again. I know. I, I, I love... No, no, no. Let's be clear. I 
actually love Rogue One. I get. Yeah. I, I know there's been a real reevaluation where a lot of people slate it. Also, really randomly, when you said Arrow, for some reason, I thought you were about to tell me you were delving into the CW Arrowverse. I thought, wow, Jamie's bringing the level. <laughs> like, no, just um, <laughs> no. that ship sailed long, long ago. I I remember yeah. when we lived together, we used to watch Arrow a long yeah, time did, ago, yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And you so had Arrow loads of the graphic video. novels. Yeah. Yeah, I've got yeah, I've got some now, yeah. Um Arrow is a Arrow video. They're like a boutique Blu-ray label. Like so Criterion. They, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. But so they, but they're mostly geared towards so you've got those like they've got two separate types. They've got Arrow Video and Arrow Academy. So Arrow Video, they're more geared towards like um horror films. Right. Uh, like your slashes. So there's loads of slashes and stuff like that on, on arrows. They're brilliant. And they come with loads of special features as well. And they, and my favorite part, my favorite thing that they do is they redo the artwork. So they've got reversible sleeves. That's cool. So they've got their own reimagining of the artwork. But they've got like loads of films in there. They've got like um, loads of John Carpenter stuff. Uh, the thing, um, uh, what's the, oh, oh, the other one with Kurt Russell. Uh, not China Escape from Town. New York. Uh, a little, no. China ta- little Chinatown. Little Chinatown. Uh, Little no? Chinatown. Um, no, no, it's Big Trouble in Little China. But sorry, yeah, my bad. Uh, oh, so God. funny. A stumbling, stumbling and bumbling like a drunk dad that's just come in from the pub. And so Arrow Academy is their other side label, which is um, where they do other films. So like they've got like The Killing with Stanley Kubrick, the the sort of seventies um, and eighties. It's very much geared towards those, um, I guess, like like dramas and stuff yeah um, okay classic classic more classic cinema um so yeah really interesting label so then i, I also got a film called tenebra or tenebre i'm not sure how you say it. it's from a uh, dario argento which is a italian slasher um johnny's love in life like i can't believe you've like, watched like three slashes in the space of a week two weeks I've, I'm really in the mood for them at the moment though I find that weird I'm sorry like uh, let me just uh, to clarify because we're going to talk about some films later which have some slasher elements I'm so bad with on screen violence and I think you were laughing away when I messaged you about uh, I'm not going to ruin it this week our second film had Fair some right, moments yeah. and I was texting Jamie just being like oh I can watch this and the noise has made me feel sick and queasy and I have my I, my hands covered over my face and you were just I can, can tell you were just laughing at me I just I just don't get the genre and like there's nothing wrong with that and if you if you love it great but for me I just I can't imagine finding that fun but then I suppose that's weird because then someone could turn around and say well you watch Seven which is the aftermath of all those events and I think yeah, yeah that's yeah, true exactly. but I don't think I like seeing the action I think it's like we talked about briefly like sore hostile and also I've got a weird thing with if I think it can happen to me I like it less so like in my head a lot of people are like that a slasher in my head unlikely could happen so I kind of in my brain think I don't want to think about it Was if it's the ring I'm like I'm still find it quite jumpy but at the end of the day I don't think a little girl's going to come out of my TV however I was obsessed with the idea of when I had a CRT TV as a kid that the girl from the ring could very feasibly come out like no problem yeah have you seen the Japanese version no and I think it would terrify me too much I can imagine Uh, I would watch them with you though if this and this is another thing like honestly if you if if you pick one like you really love and and you think it's genuinely a good story and it's necessary violence then I think I'd go for it I mean I mean I'd never have watched it if you hadn't recommended it I actually really enjoyed it chapter one I thought was brilliant I thought it was really for yeah. me, that's that's about as horror as I go, to be honest. I don't do much. But then you said something to me, which is true. I'm an absolute hypocrite because I watch Alien Covenant, which is one of the goriest 
Like, yeah. so gory. That really surprised and that surprised <laughs> me because like, I, always, I always do associate you with, like, um, not PG stuff, but... You, I know what you mean. You have you have always always been that like twelve A. I fully <laughs> yeah I yeah all the all the listeners are like yeah I mean he does go on about Hunger Games <laughs> yeah a, and a lot, Maze like, Runner he loves it yeah yeah, yeah I lo- don't for the record anyway Divergent he loves it um so sorry like I get like no it's just funny and but also when you when you say you find it weird that I've really been in the mood for slashers lately. I understand why you feel like that because yeah, yeah why would you want to watch yeah. and run around with a knife slashing up people? <laughs> yeah, I just don't know. I just they're so I, I don't know. I don't know. It's maybe it's you, you, you must like scream surely. Yeah, but I, I was going to say though, maybe it's kind of some people get from films like seeing things that put them out of their comfort zone on purpose, and that's the point of that. So yeah, and I think there's an element of that to these things. It's just, I just find it interesting that. I don't know. I, I yeah. honestly, I have such a visceral reaction to film the way I react because you've you've been to the cinema with me back in the day when we used to see a film as yeah. an action film. I'd be like rocking in my chair, getting super involved, a bit like bit overexcited. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah, I can't remember what yeah, we. Yeah. I think it was like first class, and I think they lifted the submarine out of the water. And I remember just being like amazed by it this was a long time pure ago pure hype just, Johnny yeah hype pure Johnny, like yeah. really you're really, you like a hype man yeah I was like a puppy on, on whatever it was it was insane was I, I have that kind of reaction to stuff I think I get very involved so I think if I watched the slasher I'd be so stressed out I can't wait till we talk about our link film because then we can talk more about this and why yeah. why I but do, anyway I, must, I will say I think Scream is the greatest slasher ever made um, for me like I think it's incredible how it um, treats the genre and maybe we should cover it one day yeah I'd be, um, I'd be up for doing that yeah it's it's fantastic like it completely like yeah anyway right so the, the film was Tenebra uh, by Dario Argento you might know him from Suspiria um, which I didn't really like personally um, and so this one's about an American writer who goes to Rome and he's stalked by a serial killer um, who's like harassing him whilst like killing off people that are associated with the book he's written it, it, and also it's brilliant it's so so good and it's dubbed and um the the soundtrack um by goblin is one of the best soundtracks i have ever heard in a film and and so the person that um, recommended it to me and um, we've actually got some comments from uh, uh, later on uh, kim uh, one of my friends she recommended it to me and it's unbelievable like the the soundtrack is incredible and well, i'll get you on it later cool and to be honest that's it uh, apart from the the two films that we're pairing this week. That's all I've been watching. I'm looking forward to talking about our two films this week because I think you, I think you picked a good link. We were I know we originally put out that we were looking into the Invisible Man, but we're holding off on that because we thought we had a better pairing this week. I know with some of the Oscar nominations, etc., we've we've been shifting it around a little because it's it's been nice to do some more recent current things going on. And I think you guys from the feedback we've had are interested in. What am I trying to say? Yeah, current. out now. Current. current. That's the word I can think current, of. Yeah. 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 So yeah, um, let's have a chat about promising young woman. Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. I'm a nice guy. Are you? I think the reason why we we done a complete U-turn on Invisible Man was only because promising young women like we we couldn't stop talking about it when we watched yeah. it so it had been on my radar for so long because i really really love carrie mulligan i'd had such good things and i'm like oh it's a film about a woman getting revenge on 
men who have like wronged wronged her like or like predators yep. and I was like that sounds brilliant and I've never seen Carrie Mulligan in a role like that she's definitely and she's actually even described herself as um, oh yeah I'm the person that's always in like period pieces like and stuff oh really um, well I suppose she is yeah. actually that's that's mostly what she's done to this point but yeah okay but I mean she's proved now I mean for me what is this her it's her best performance that I've seen maybe apart from Shane what I think was amazing in this is the fact she carries she's a character trying to show she's not bothered by things at all points but is obviously troubled by them the whole time and as an actor how do you convey to people that you are deeply troubled by an issue but on the surface to the characters in the film you're pretending you're fine that's a very yeah. like how only a good performance can convey that otherwise you're just going to look blank and not great I'll be honest the first film I remember seeing with Carrie Mulligan in was probably Drive and that was 2008-ish yep. I don't know um, uh, I thought it was 2007 I've got I mean, oh maybe I wanna, yeah I don't know but yeah so uh, but yeah. she and again in, in that film that for me what I loved about that film with her and Ryan Gosling's performance and their chemistry was the fact that not a lot said it's all through the action and you just pick up the vibe and again sorry I, can I must say it's 2011 drive was it? oh my yeah, god I didn't realise it was that current but then it come out when we were at uni didn't it? yeah that's true actually that's true and we absolutely buzzed off it we did we did indeed um, yeah but what I was going to say was just the, the performance in drive is brilliant again because it's through action rather there's not a lot of dialogue in that film and she conveys so much by looks and that kind of thing and show don't tell yeah exactly and very much so in Promising Young Woman there's a lot of scenes where she's acting sorry you're 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 getting insight into the character through her actions a lot more so than actually what's being said because there's a lot simmering away beneath the surface so it's probably a good time to speak to you with Jamie give us a quick little synopsis about what Promising Young Woman actually is about you love this bit, don't you? I do. Yeah, well, yeah you love this bit because you hate doing it. Yep. So it's essentially about uh, Cassandra, who's uh, a, a young woman and like haunted by um, something, a tragedy that's happened to her friend in the past. Um, and she wants to take revenge on predatory men that are, I guess, unlucky enough to cross her. So, um, so her friend she had a friend called nina who was from what we understand was sexually abused slash rape although those words are not are not used in the film Mm -hmm. that's what we're led to believe and then nina uh we think kills herself and so carrie carrie mulligan's character basically spends the next 10 it was 10 years like we spent 10 we, we don't spend 10 years with her but we we catch her at the tail end of 10 years spent um essentially avenging her friend um, almost uh, obsessive. It's a. It's been described as a dark comedy. It's a romance, revenge, mm-hmm. thriller, um, with like guilt, grief, obsession. Yeah, that's sort of Cassandra's character. And um, I've got to say, like, it, I've not felt this way about a film in a long, long time. And it absolutely, it lived, it lived up to the hype one hundred percent for me. Like, and it left me reeling. Like, I was talking about it for days like with uh, my girlfriend uh, with you yeah. with anyone who will listen really and I, now even in work today I was I was in work today and I was like oh yeah do, do you like films do you like films <laughs> and uh, they're like uh, some, someone was like 
uh, no, not really. I'm like, well, you've got to watch this. <laughs> and I, like, it was just, I'll, I will literally tell anyone who listens to watch this film, like, because it, it just had such an effect on me. Um, how about you? I I really enjoyed it. And I think the best thing for me was I hadn't seen any trailers. This is the first time in a long time I've gone completely cold, cold into a film. And I think I, I, I've not watched the trailer afterwards, actually. So I think I got the most from it. So we see Carrie Mulligan's character at the start. She's in a bar and she's pretending to be drunk. And she, we don't know at this point she pretends to be drunk. We just see her. She's dead centre in frame, isn't she? And I said to you, the reason she's dead centre within the frame is because it's showing she's isolated and vulnerable. It's very specific, the lighting, isn't it? And in the nightclub, and the framing, sorry. But the lighting in the nightclub is quite seedy, isn't it? It's quite poppy colours. You've got blues and reds and... They, yeah, it's def- definitely it's cha- it's like oh, not chavy, but it, it's certainly the, the client the kind of clientele that's in there. It's like it's funny because it shows doesn't it shows like these men like thrusting and stuff, doesn't yes. it? Yes, like and in it's it, really the camera basically acts like the male gaze. So when I talk about the male gaze, it's basically which links to our second film as well. When you have a film and women are treated as objects, so say something like Transformers with Megan Fox is awful the way when she's introduced, it's literally leering over her body, basically. Oh, when God, she's, yeah, when she's... Um, so I remember, I'll never forget it. Like, yeah, when so she's, that camera work air, is, yeah. yeah, just not on. But the point is, the start of this film is making a comment on that by showing the men and filming them the same way, filming their bodies like as they thrust in slow motion and all this stuff. And it's really funny because it's they're making, all like overweight yeah, stuff, like but it's ma- belly, like yeah. And it's making the joke of how ridiculous it is the fact like of objectifying people. It's like, look, how do you like it when we do it the other way around? So in, instantly, you you see where this is going, and it's really good if seeing something from outside our, our perspective or someone else's perspective. That's that's what this is doing. From the off the really clever thing is so Carrie Mulligan um, as she's pretending to be drunk in inverted commas she said the nice guy which she describes as these people who say they're nice guys but they're not they're trying to take her home and sleep with her and the character sorry the actor they've picked for this first person is someone who I think is the most disarming guy in all of Hollywood it's Adam Brody. Adam Brody, if you don't know him, is from The O.C., Seth Cohen. I have a very fond spot for The O.C. Love him. Love Seth Cohen. And watching him be a horrible person is a great idea because it's trying to show the idea of it's not a person stalking you down the street. It's not, or it, well, it, it may be, but the point this is making is it's those people who are, what's the word, like trying to pretend they're helping you out but they're not. They're they're doing the worst possible thing because he he's in a taxi and he says, "I'll take you home." And then he says, "Oh well, my place just happens to be on the way." And it's yeah, like you, it's you targeted. Yeah. It's planned. You know, if it was a murder, you would say, "You know, you have what's it called?" Um, it's premeditative. Is that the word? Absolutely. Yeah. Meditative. Absolutely. Whatever. So yeah. Premeditated. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So when when uh, Carrie Mulligan does this amazing reveal where she lets it get to the point where she can prove that that they are that she's not given consent and the fact that he is about to try and have sex with her and she she then shows him she's not drunk and confronts him and he yeah. is bricking it instantly and it's he he's he's getting called out like outright getting called out and again using Adam Adam Brody who who is known in all his roles as being such a likable character is such a clever casting decision to make us think about it's not some big brute. It's do, do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to. I, I don't know how to be eloquent with this. It's trying to show. So it's, I've 
Yeah. So I've I've put like um, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. That um, there you go. Brilliant. Sorry, like, that's a way better way of describing what I've just said for ten minutes. It, it flips the script on how we would imagine a sexual predator. A hundred percent. There you go. Yeah. And 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 so that's that, that that's what it does. It is like obviously we'll. The casting was done on purpose of these um, these nice guys. I say like in, in inverted, inverted commas. commas. Yeah. Um, it's it's certainly these these men and 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 borderline yeah worse than it, it's weird. Like so that bit with Adam Brody when they're in they're in the cab. Mm. Um, and by the way, just so you know, uh, listeners, this is going to be spoiler central. Sorry, so if you we'll, haven't seen the we'll film, put a little warning out when we do the post because like, this is yeah, very spoiler. We're so central. sorry, like, but it's really important. There's some such important parts, and we wouldn't be able to do the film justice without discussing spoilers. But yeah, the, the and so when um, Emerald Fennel, the director, and like the first scene that she wrote was the scene with uh, Adam Brody, and she's he what he does is he takes her takes her back to his, um, gives a load of alcohol or yeah because he like pours a her a drink and this is the other bit i forgot to mention massive drink he pours himself a drink and it's like a quarter measurement and he gives yeah. her the full the full glass yeah. yeah yeah so this yeah so the scene she has like the scene emerald wrote first was that scene when um, she's lying on the bed and he is literally pulling her pants down and she's like really slowing her where she's like what are you doing and he's like oh no 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 and she's like what are you doing and then he's like pulling her pants off and he said and then she says what are you doing yeah and it's like in f- fully sober and then he literally um yeah craps himself like straight away like and it yeah. and it's it's really cle- it's really really clever the way the whole film is done because it's not i would say it's quite subtle in the way it, it doesn't is. it doesn't it's not very pushy in terms of the we know what it's trying to tell us. We know what it's trying to do and what it, I say trying, it does. What it does tell us and what it does do. It's not like, you don't, it's not preachy. I didn't find it, I didn't not find at it all. preachy as a man. I guess the film, it, it presents us with things, themes that women have been talking about since like the beginning of time, probably. Yeah. And it does it in such a, and and, and we must say this, like, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of insight in the way this pod's going to go. As as you know, me and Johnny are just two white guys, so we can only give you a a certain flavour and our and what we ex- what we experienced. We cannot tell you or pretend to even imagine what women experience. So what I have done, um, and I'll go into it later on the show. I reached out to some uh, some well everyone really on on my whole Instagram, um, and like women specifically, and said, tell us how did the film make you feel like. What 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 did that look like for you? Because we can only sort of say what we felt and sort of think we know what's going on or have our own opinion of it. Mm. Um, but tell us how you feel as women. Like what, what what's what's the director? What did the director do for you? Like what did the film do for you? And um, so we've got some really really valuable um, insight stuff yeah. back. Yeah, in, yeah, insight and think stuff that I never even um, like. It wouldn't it didn't even cross my mind. Like because because I'm a man and. I guess that that's I'm so happier that I did I did reach out um, and we'll do it more often like it may, maybe it shouldn't be that it is just because just because it's a, a theme around something we don't understand we should probably reach out more often to um, 100% and, and like we've always said we're always willing to feedback on the pod and any any things people do want to discuss in, with these films and, and, and aspects we've not seen call us on it like we're we're happy to 
more more than welcome to like these views and things because and, me, me and Jamie admittedly have been have been friends for years and like we do see things a certain way and, and we do and like the reason we're friends because we agree on a lot of these things you know so when we have people like Film Forage or Aracleese or whoever who are, are messaging us in it's really good for us because we we just get completely different viewpoints that we we don't know and also from from um, uh, Patch emails in with some great questions all this stuff that we, we can't think of everything guys so we're more than welcome to like get this stuff yeah, in and you know and if we get if we get something wrong like if you hear Tell us, us say something that, that you that, that isn't right um not necessarily about like years of films like because <laughs> we get that wrong certain, all the time yeah if we, well, by the, i know yeah that, i said the other <laughs> week that i'm good with years of films i'm clearly not um i think that's the second time i've got the the year wrong of drive but if if we say something that isn't necessarily right um or is the viewpoint is a bit like skewed tell us please help yep. us and and this i'll tell you what this film has done it's made me go away and do a lot of research into mm -hmm. um rape culture and because I, essentially that's what the film is portraying like it's made me do a lot of research into that um and i, I mean I, I i do anyway like i'm aware of a lot of the things that go on anyway like and i try and educate myself and i try and be a good person but this film just shows that like i think emerald fennel i seen her in an interview she said like the film's essentially about like realistic things that people do all the time yeah and that's the scariest thing of this film because it's not a horror it's not a slasher it's not a revenge flick this is a, well i suppose it has got revenge elements but the point i'm making is these are very normal situations and i think things yeah. that people can relate to because in the film there's scenes with a character who was friends with uh um Sorry, forgotten the character's name. Friends with Cassandra and the friend Nina who who passed away. Madison. Yeah, from uh, played by Madison Alison Brie. Alison Brie played from yeah, Mad Men. Madison, yeah. Yeah. So she she her character is um, says, "Oh, it's such a long time ago. I don't really remember." Then she kind of goes down the "We were so young." Then it's kind of the "Boys will be boys," and it's that enabling yeah. culture. And I think that's something she used to get blackout drunk. It's victim blaming. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's a thing that. I don't know. I think I think that's something that may well has definitely happened before. That that needs to be called out. And seeing it done in a film like this just really got you thinking about times you've yeah. heard that phrase. And even there's a scene where uh, Carrie Mulligan's character goes back to the dean of the university, and the dean of the oh university, yeah, and it's a really that was the most out. difficult scene because she says basically every single was it every single week we get issues like this where people are reported they they've been assaulted, but we can't ruin every young man's career. So it's the fact that they're not act they're not acting on what they're saying. Essentially, they they're given the benefit of the doubt, and we even meet a lawyer character played by is it Alfred Moreno I always get his name wrong Alfred Moreno Alfred Molina Molina sorry Moreno who is this guy Alfred know, yeah, you've said this, you've I said, said that to this, you the other day he keeps texting me about Alfred Moreno I don't know who he is I don't know who he is probably a footballer who knows probably yeah <laughs> and he his character is a guy who for years defended these boys or these university students who are of a certain walk of life um, they are they're all they're all trained to be doctors weren't they they're all in medical school and I do think class has an element in this as well that because of the fact they are white male doctors in training etc is another reason why they are receiving the benefit of the doubt and are able to get away with these with the actions that they're talking about in the film what a perfect transition in what a perfect transition in because I wanted to tell you about so the title of the film right is actually a nod to Brock Turner, a Stanford graduate who was convicted of sexual assault in 2016. 
And despite being convicted, he was referred to as a promising young man. Oh, really? Is that where the title's yeah. from? Why are news reporters and judges so concerned with the future of rapists? <laughs> like, oh, uh, he, he, so he's been convicted, right? He has been found guilty. Oh, um, he, and, and yeah, this promising young man, like, who cares? Like, who cares if, like, yeah. they're, they're concerned about his future? Like, he's a rapist. Like, so ta- say, what, say what he is. Yeah. And so that's what the... That's this is what, what inspired her to use it as the title because yeah. it's such a... Yeah, and I think... Like, another thing I want to say with this film, and I think, I think it does really cleverly, this could quite easily be a desaturated, dark, gritty film to match the subject matter. But what, what I think is really clever with the direction is the, the, it looks almost like a pop music video in terms of everything's hyper-stylized, it's super-saturated... Uh, the framings it really draws your attention to the framing lots of centralised framing there's some amazing screen grabs of of some of the cinematography online uh, for this film and I think the reason it's done in this way is it almost looks like a rom-com from the 2000s which would have been the era they were at university I think you said this to me and I I really really love this insight so please tell the listeners like like, yeah go go into that well the, the thing that sold it for me was Essentially, she meets a character called... I've forgotten his name already. Um, the the Doctor... Is, is it Lauren Paul? Bo, Bo Burnham. Who plays the, him? The, the actor. The actor that plays... Um, the, the Doctor. Is, What's his name? Well, I don't, I don't know his name. <laughs> I can't remember his name. But, uh, his, so it's, um, it's played by Bo Burnham. Uh, Ryan. Ryan. So he's, he is the Doctor who Karen Mulligan's character falls in love with and she thinks she's found an out. She's found a way to no longer need to go in. Um, she's basically told by Nina's mother to, to move on with her life and to stop holding on to this grudge. And she decides that she's not she's not going to. She's going to let it go. She's going to have a new life. And she meets uh, Bo Burnham's character, Ryan. And she decides that, okay, this is my second chance. And very early on when they start dating, it's only their second date, and he tries, he says, oh, funnily enough, on the route to the cinema, my flat's over there. So do you want to come up for a drink instead? And she's devastated because up until this point, she thinks he is a genuine nice guy. And it's the first inkling, the first inkling of a subtle behavior, but it's still forcing her into a position she doesn't want to be in. And it shows, you, you know. It is a bit dodgy, isn't it? So he Of course it's dodgy. Like, it's, it's just a real... He doesn't say anything. Like it's the it's implication. Like a, it's the implication. Yeah. And I think that's that's the point that's being made, really, because you feel for her, uh, for her character, Cassie, because you know she doesn't want to be there. And you know she she said to him outright, I want to take it slow. Like he said, essentially, we can be yeah. friends and go from there. Uh, he, and he they have a confrontation after this where she calls him out on it. And he, he says, you know, you won't even hold my hand or and all these things. I know you want to take it slow, but... I don't. I don't. So he he does back off in that situation. He's like, oh my god, yeah, I've um, yeah, he, I've, yeah, he, I've misjudged the situation. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So he he does back up, and at that point, it's really clever because it does lead you into thinking, oh no, he he, he is a nice guy. Like, she she says, um, I'm sorry, it's my fault. Yeah, and I hate that because again, that's you know the writing's on the wall at that point that it's going to come back and bite you. And uh, so I'll be honest, I didn't see it coming at all. Do you know what? It's interesting you said that. I, I did, to be honest, because I thought as soon as, as soon as she's changed her moral compass, it's going to go elsewhere. Yeah, but I didn't see it coming at all. It, in terms of the rom-com thing we've been talking about and the cinematography and the poppy style, there is a scene where it's almost... 
for me, this was my interpretation. If this is wrong, that is absolutely fine. But they're, Paris Hilton song. Yeah, they're in a pharmacy yeah. and they're singing along to Paris Hilton, and it's all hyper stylized. People in the pharmacy are like, "Why are they singing along to Paris Hilton?" And it's intercut with showing a montage of their relationship. Show they're getting closer together. They're in bed together the next morning, and it's Bit kind cheesy, of cheesy, isn't it? It's cheesy in a sense but I think it's been done because that is in people's heads what a relationship looks like in an ideal world this is what a relationship looks like look how happy and fun and it's a Hollywood version of a relationship and in all those rom-coms from like Never Been Kissed um, come on give me 2000 rom-coms you know exactly what I'm talking about Bridget Jones all all, all those American kind of style 10 Things I Hate About You yeah 100% one of my full time favourites it's that stylized version of what falling in love is like right it's it's saying like yeah. this is what a relationship is and basically it's so disconcerting to the rest of the film which isn't shot that way i think it's done intentionally to knock you off kilter when it's then revealed that some evidence comes to light from nina's case all those years ago and it's a mobile phone which has footage of the incident now we never see the footage we only yeah. hear the audio and we see an amazing shot of cassandra um Carrie Mulligan's character reacting to the video and it starts on a really wide shot and just goes tighter and tighter and tighter and she breaks down it's horrifying and the yeah. worst part of it is if it couldn't get any worse you're hearing these horrible things happening and then you hear Bo Burnham's voice, voice her, sorry um, his voice and we realise that her boyfriend was there and was participating in what was going on so you got it, didn't you? Well, so I don't necessarily. Th- it doesn't. So, the, and that's the thing. The film's really ambiguous, like all the way through. So it never really tells you exactly what happened. It just alludes to, and you can fill in the gaps on your own. So, from what I heard, he was there. And again, this is a really, it's an important thing in real life for like us men to understand. Like, don't be an enabler. Like, if yeah. you see something, call it out. Do not let your friends, like. Don't let your friends do stuff like that or be a creep. And on that, the first scene at the bar with um, with Adam Brody's character, yes. you think he's going to call out his friends because essentially his friends are sexualizing Carrie Mulligan and, and making comments and, and everything. And you think he's about to, in you know, in the OC or whatever, you'd think he'd be standing up and saying, oh no, like leave her alone, guys. I'm going to take care of her. And I suppose he does, but it's in a completely different way and not in, not in an acceptable way at all. And, and it throws you off, as I said, through that casting. And that sets the tone throughout the film of... It's almost like saying to me, if I was a woman, that you just can't trust people because their intentions are so, are, are so negative. And... Yeah. Yeah, that's... For me... And we've had some comments about, about a little bit of that, which was... Um it's the the comments like the comments we've had like it's not not necessarily comments like i've asked um like the the uh, like the female friends i've got like i asked them and they've sent me like some like big like meaty things to like think about and mm-hmm. do you know what the mad thing is all four of them don't really know each other but all had very similar, similar. if not I- identical things to say and that's really sad so like we'll move on to that later the one thing I did want to mention, like, is that, like, about the, you mentioned the tone. So the tone, right? The it is it, it's it's I found it quite funny throughout. It is a dark comedy um, to me. I think I think yeah. the way it deals with such weighty issues is Cassandra's character is really funny, 
and she's very she is. she's um in her day job she works at the coffee shop when she's in her element yes. and she doesn't really care about the job and she's just joking about it and she's she's just no. good fun to be around so and i actually like her relationship with her parents because her parents are like trying to move her out very unsubtly packing her a suitcase for her 30th birthday or whatever yeah. and um yeah it's just the way she talks about them and reacts about them is just it's good it's good fun for me yeah the comedy makes the film bearable yeah because be it's a hard, it's such a hard subject matter it'd be very difficult for it to just be like a thriller or one tone and also it's probably it's almost truer to real life from the dark comedy elements does that make sense just kind yeah, of like so, it feels yeah. more natural almost with the comedy than it would if it wasn't i don't know so i think the whole film um is a realistic look at what would actually happen so we don't ever see what cassie does to these guys and um, no. she meets she also meets up with uh, christopher mintz platz who's like who is mclovin in Superbad, mm-hmm. and he's like that probably the the funniest scene for me like and he's like kissing the oh nose. it's horrible like, it's, it's so absolutely like oh. hands my stomach um <laughs> And he's like, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Like, and all this, he's like, and it's really funny. Like, and he, like, she says like, oh, I'm not, I'm not feeling too good. And he looks away while rolling his eyes. And it's hilarious. It's really subtle. Like, go back and watch that bit. Yeah, I To rewind it and watch it again. Like, and I burst out laughing. Um, But yeah, like, it's, it is a realistic, it's a realistic look at what would happen. Like, would Cassie go in and overpower all all of these men? Um, Emerald Fennel says, probably not. Like, that's, that's not, that's not what would happen so the, all these things that she does like just calling them out and um, but she's putting herself in a dangerous position because she's not sure she's going to get out of it and that's no, that's uh, where the pressure is in the audience because you uh, you feel so uncomfortable and also the reason I, I was talking about centralised framing I think they do that so when someone comes in a space like into her shot it looks like wrong because do you know what I mean she's been central. It, yeah. if she's centralising the shot every time her frame is very particular so when someone else enters that frame it looks like they're invading into a space which they are that's the whole thing that is happening exactly um, we like yeah it's, it's we and we know what happens to Cassie at the end and, and I guess like really we can we can start sort of steering towards what that looks like so um, we find she Go on. So I was just going to say before we get on to that, there's a scene which is when she realises she's about to, before she falls in love with the Doctor, there's a scene where she kind of establishes that she's tipped over the edge and it, she's sat in her car and she's getting pipped yes. at the lights and she's not moving and she's she's just kind of thinking, what am I doing? And this guy's giving her so much abuse. She just goes, do you know what? I've had enough. And it's literally watching Breaking Point happen. And she grabs, is it tire wrench out the back of her car? Tire iron, yeah. And she just goes ham on this guy's car, like takes the rear lights out. The windscreen, I think, as well. Windscreen, she's smashing the windscreen. She's smashing up. But what I love about this scene is the music is, uh, it's from uh, Wagner, it's from Wagner's Tristan and, and, I was going to try and do German as well. Put a little clip in of it so you, you can hear the crescendo. The piece of music, the reason I love it is because the piece of music used is in, um, it inspired Bernard Herrmann to write the music for Vertigo, which as I've talked about, is one of my favourite soundtracks of all time. But it's yeah. also, it's the opera's about quite a tragic love story about people not being able to be together. So there is an interpretation that her relationship with Nina, although it's not a romantic relationship, it's similar. It's like throughout their life, 
it, it, she's a troubled soul and she's not happy or at peace until she is also she also dies you know that 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 is her coming to peace you know being reunited I thought that was quite an interesting reading of it but also it all, it's for me yeah it's like an epiphany almost she that's it a hundred percent and it? when the crescendo comes is when she starts slamming on that car and the music yeah. just builds and builds and it's just glorious and uh, I said it's from an opera you don't actually hear the the um singing accompaniment to it it's just the orchestration but no. it builds so much it's just an amazing moment and then when she gets back in the car and she realizes and says it's almost that enough now I realize this is getting to the point where I could be getting arrested or this this could go seriously wrong uh, and this the, I think that's what influenced the decision to give the doctor a go isn't it that's when she kind of realises I need to try and have in inverted commas a normal life what my parents want for me they want me to have a partner they want me to go for a different job and all these things and I that, think she just wants to be happy really doesn't she because yeah. she's not happy and I think it gets all that's all gets unravelled once she, she sees the lawyer and um, yeah. yeah and like she she played like in, sorry when she gets the phone when she gets the phone sorry the phone. not when she sees the lawyer yeah. when yeah there's a lot of like biblical references in the film like so it's it's sort of suggested that she is an avenging angel and that's been used several times like when mm. describing her character so um the, there's when she's standing in the coffee shop there's artwork in the coffee shop that makes cassie look like she's got a halo yes when she's sitting down to dinner with madison again like the light like looks like she's got a halo and that that's sort of like um prevalent throughout the whole film and in the end obviously we know we know that she dies um it's almost like a, a sacrifice isn't it yeah so yeah the the ending is one of the hardest u-turns i've seen in a film in so long i didn't see that coming i can't say i did i kept thinking it's gonna change so essentially I... from the mobile phone she finds out that who was involved at the party so when she goes back to see the boyfriend she calls him and says i'm going to tell the police unless you tell me where all these guys are now and she learns there's a stag party happening in this in uh, in a hut uh, in a hut yep. sorry in a, in a place in the countryside al al monroe yeah so he's the man she decides to go and pretend to be a stripper to deceive them so she yep. goes in she gets them all drinking she drugs all their drinks which is yep. what she basically says ironically is what's happened to her and all these women over all these years so yep. have it back the other way and she takes al monroe upstairs and she he doesn't know who she is so she handcuffs him to the bed and we think okay she's safe that nothing well you know what what could possibly go wrong i don't know he's still saying he's still acting the nice guy like oh yeah like um look like i really love my fiance like we we can't do anything blah blah blah. so he's like it's almost like he's changed like isn't it like so he's he's, he's, but has he changed or in yeah sense of security again with this nice guy persona and then she says her name is Nina and he instantly yeah. then clocks who she is knows something's wrong and he he tries he tries everything he says every excuse she's heard so many times that she won't accept because they're not good enough and he says we were young you know he starts with I don't remember I think and then it goes to we were so young I wasn't the only person there yeah. you know every, every oh, yeah. worst possible excuse and she I think she basically says to him, like, much like in Girl with Dragon Tattoo, she's going to carve into him. Is it? She, he's, she was going to carve in Nina. He's yeah. going to carve Nina into and his chest. Because in Girl with Dragon Tattoo, she tattoos rapist onto yeah. her, her, her rapist. Yeah. And yeah, so we think 
it looks like the plan's going well. Her plan is going well. And just as we think it's about to happen, she he's, she's about to make the cut. She is then... He, he then gets free and he attacks her and he... he What's it? He suffocates her with a pillow. Smothers her with a pillow and can... That's so... And she's <laughs> kicking back and we keep thinking she's going to stay alive. And in yeah, a normal Hollywood film, let's be honest, in any other Hollywood film, yep. there's a fight she kicks probably kicks or, him in the nuts and then Bo Burnham, or Bo Burnham comes in Ryan comes in to save the day and yeah. saves her and then she realises that he's actually okay and they get together and they, they stay together till the end and but he th- gets convicted but this being real life um, no she she dies and this being is, a realistic depiction yeah it's horrible because you are it reminded me of um, in Torn Curtain is not particularly favourite Hitchcock film of mine but there's a scene where someone gets killed in an oven and it's like really it focuses and shows the whole thing and like they get gassed out and this is a similar thing like the whole process of watching her die like it happens now this might sound horrible to a lot of you but what the point it's trying to make is all the things that Cassie's done to this point are almost insignificant because she's at this place with all these men and essentially when the best man comes up and finds her he's he's like it doesn't matter she's just a stripper we'll burn her and no one yeah. will ever know and it's just like okay so these in inverted commas nice guys this is basically showing that how how awful they're, they're treating her not even like a piece of they were treating her the night before like a piece of meat because she was a stripper yeah or just like pretending to be a stripper and now yeah. she's just she's oh well if she's a stripper she's worthless so we'll just kill her don't worry about it like it's not even an yeah. issue can I it's, it's, it's can crazy I so the scene when Cassie gets smothered it's really difficult to watch um, uh, it's Car- one shot Carrie Mulligan Carrie Mulligan didn't use a stunt double so it was her um, Emerald asked the director asked um, she had an FBI friend asked them how long it would take to smother someone they said about two and a half minutes that scene two and a half minutes long brutal like yeah. absolutely brutal she's feels taking, like a lifetime you, you can't it, it feels like a lifetime and yeah you think she's going to get out because everything about, like you said, about Hollywood. Everything we've been taught in storytelling is she will be okay. And uh-huh. the whole point of this is this is real life. I know it's not real life, but the point is saying yeah. in a real situation, I'm sorry, that this is what would happen. And I think another important thing before this is the film doesn't try and say that Cassie's actions are all correct either. It, 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 they're not correct and can we no. yeah and I, think, and I was about to touch on that like, because they're like, not correct and she's going down a pretty dark path she she cannot you know no matter what these people have done obviously going in and carving people up etc is and, not is, and kidnapping is against the law and you cannot do that it's against justice system but it doesn't shy away from that point it's making the point of we're not saying she has all the answers but this is someone who's been pushed to the edge and reacting to a situation you have made that's she's what it is she's an anti-heroine yeah, yeah she's 100%. certainly an anti-heroine like in she's not a role model but she's obsessed with um not revenge but justice it's it's the the i it's one of those your heart's in the right place but you're just going about it the wrong way you know it's yeah it's yeah yeah and so yeah it, that that scene is brutal. absolutely brutal but cassie's really smart and what she does is she it's the ultimate kind of yes she she does sacrifice herself and 
maybe she would never have been happy until this happened. I don't know. Like, it seems like the character, she was a destructive character. She is destructive. Like, And I think once the relationship with uh, her, her boyfriend, uh, sorry, with Ryan had ended, I think as well, she'd lost all faith in men at that point. Which sounds dramatic, yeah. but it's true. That was kind of in her head. I think that was the last chance to of giving someone a go. So I Absolutely. think she'd accepted at that point. Yeah, you know. But I mean, at, we then we then obviously. We, I mean, we as viewers come to terms or don't come to terms with Cassie's death because we're all devastated because she's an amazing character. We then go to Almond Rose wedding. Yeah. And everyone's having a grand old time, and then everyone gets a little text message. Um, the police arrive and yeah they've uh, so the, she set them up yeah so basically earlier in the film Cassie meets a lawyer and this is this is a really important scene I'm about to call him Alfred Moreno again because I forgot his name what's he called listen leave Alfred Molina alone. Alfred Molina. Molina oh Alfred Molina who's a brilliant actor by the way he has a very short cameo well obviously well, uh, not, not that brilliant you can't remember his can't name can't remember his name but he's brilliant and he plays a lawyer who as I said earlier has defended a lot of uh, 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 men in, in these rape trials um, and basically he got he's been told by his company he's had a mental breakdown but he's not had a mental breakdown he's just got to an age where he's realised that he's been fighting for the wrong side all these years and he basically says do you know how easy it is with Facebook and with Instagram to find one drunk picture of a woman to sway a jury and it's, it's one drunk photo as a party at a party is all it takes there you go to swing a jury which is a terrifying statement in itself and then he basically Cassie wants to go and take revenge on him when she meets him and I think she is very intent when she goes in there she's going to tell him what for because of what he did with the case with Nina but yeah. she pities him because he says I think she forgives him but, no but she pities him instantly because he says I haven't slept in I think it's two weeks or something yeah. and then she she said she listens to what he says and he is genuinely uh, repenting and saying look I know we were fighting for the wrong side I, I, you know, I was paid to do this. I know it's not the right thing, but I am sorry. And she basically says to him, "You can go to sleep now." And that is her forgiving him. Like, yeah. "You can go to sleep now." Is her saying, "I'm, an, I acknowledge what you're saying." Yeah, there's, that, there is you know, forgiveness. There, he is. There is a, his eyes out. There's a level of respect. So Cassie actually sends the phone with a recording of what happened at that instant to him. So his redemptive yeah. arc is. He's got a chance of, even though Cassie has died, she's let him know the entire plan of what she is doing. So if she doesn't come back within a certain amount of time, he can take action and bring or bring Nina's life to justice and her own. Let's be clear, because she's yeah. killed, and that's that's the end of the film is watching that play out. Now there have been a few complaints about this because some people said, yeah, "I kind of get the idea of if you want it to be the most brutal and the most realistic in inverted commas." presentation then maybe she wouldn't have been found and maybe that would have been a more not dramatic ending but maybe that would have hit the message home even more i'll be honest as 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 i watched it i was so glad that she did get some like they did get some comeuppance so it's a hard one like how would i have taken the message away better without that ending or with I'm intrigued hopefully when we go through some of the messages we've had about the film I'd be intrigued to see what other people thought of that It would, yeah so it certainly would have uh, given you a more like a bit of a more of a gut punch but people and so the complaint was actually the original ending was supposed to be that when she just dies and that's yeah. it um, but the producer said like this doesn't feel right because Cassie's too smart to let this happen so 
she wouldn't just go in there without a plan yeah and i love that as well like and I, and i think it's a really nice blend between the two of that yeah it's a realistic depiction because she's not we don't see her as a vigilante like smashing up men no like, no no do you know what I mean like it's, it's it is it's just it's a we see her we never really know what happens to any of these men apart from them just being called out and like for her to be like I will go to the police like so yeah I think it's a really nice blend between it is actually you, you, both of those things I'll be honest when I first watched it I didn't have that complaint but then when someone explained the theory of why it would be more impactful the other way I thought yeah that makes sense to me too so look I think it's it's well, a very, very good film, and what I think the dark comedy, black comedy, whatever you want to call it, helps it not seem preachy because it's dealing with issues that, let's be honest, are difficult to talk about and people do shy away from. And the film is literally about Absolutely, people yeah. shying away from these issues, or yeah. or even um, may have previously enabled them. And I think it does a really good job of, like you said, you were talking to Vicky about it. I've been, me and Harriet watched it together. And we could not stop talking about it at the end of the film I just want to mention like finish off with saying the song that's playing is something wonderful from The King and I and the song is about excusing men when they've done appalling things wow I didn't realise that good shout yeah there's there's a well there's a lot oh one last little little anecdote for you is all Um, the t-shirt there's a um, there's a there's a point in the film when uh, Carrie Mulligan's wearing a raglan t-shirt if you don't know what a raglan is it's like white with sort of usually coloured arms, quite a casual t-shirt, and it's got um, a picture of uh, a girl hugging a deer. and mm. the deer, But then when you, upon closer look, the deer is bleeding and the girl has a gun on her back. And so it's a nod to, like, she is, like, a hunter, like... Right, okay. Um, and really also another second anecdote, that t-shirt was designed by um, Emerald... Um, Fenning's sister oh cool yep and you can go and buy it <laughs> you, <laughs> look at Jamie uh, Jamie's got a sponsored ad yeah we've got no sponsor by the way you no. can go and buy it for £65 um, no and it literally is £65 on in, in, in an on store and that's a lot of money for a t-shirt it is I was going to say last week we talked a lot about sorry on our last episode we talked a lot about soundtrack and I really want to mention there's a really great cover of Britney Spears' Toxic when she's getting ready to do the final, um, go to the to the bachelor party. Yeah. And it's a, a cover of Britney Spears' Toxic, but it's kind of, I think it's in diminished fifths because it sounds like a really eerie version with a string quartet. And it's just a right. really, really Whoa. effective piece of use of piece of music. And again, it fits into that. We've said like the poppy style that the film has or the sheen over the top of it yeah. to kind of make it more accessible almost, I think. But it was just well, really clever use. Well, it's Emerald Fennels. She thinks she loves Britney Spears, the director, and she says that Toxic is one of the greatest songs ever written. And when she sent Carrie Mulligan, she sent Carrie Mulligan a playlist about the film and it had Toxic on it twice. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Let's... Yeah, I guess we've done our usual little bit, but let's. It's, I think it's really important in these situations, like I said earlier, to you've got two men's points of view on the film and how we felt or didn't feel or what we missed around the film. So I reached out to some of uh, some, I guess, some like close friends, like female friends, that, and I asked them, film fans, like, how did they feel? Like, how did this film make you feel as a woman? Because we simply cannot understand it. So. 
and it's it's not going to be nice to be honest like it's not going to be nice it's not going to be fun but do you know what it's really 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 important and it might make any of the male listeners or any any listeners it might make any listeners look at this a little bit differently mm -hmm. so we're going to start off with Minoir. Um, you can find her on Instagram as um, at the Arab Khaleesi. So she says, um, she said, so I asked her about the film. She said, honestly, it's been a while since I've seen the film. So I might be able to get back to you with a better answer. Do you know what? This answer was absolutely fantastic and it was fine. I do remember appreciating that there was a film that candidly showed these experiences most women have been through. Mm -hmm. Most women have been through. I can't think of another film that shows these experiences entirely from a woman's perspective behind the camera too. I love this because so, I hadn't really considered it. And we often see, so he, she goes into the next bit. There have been films where men do similar things as the male char characters of Promising Young Women, like Bo Banham's character, but they either don't get what they deserve or are just not called out on it. Or it's not an honest or realistic depiction of what women go through, especially when the story is being told from a man that thinks he understands. Yeah. I love I love it. Like I love it because it made me look at it in a completely different way. Um she says, From what I can remember, promising young women seemed a bit satirical at times, but honestly, is the best and most honest depiction of what women go through in this matter. I mean, like, I don't really know what to add to it. I like so part like I hadn't considered I guess that um I, the, the obviously the depiction's accurate but from uh the fact that it's from a woman's perspective behind the lens as well which yeah is, says a lot doesn't it because am I right in thinking she also wrote um Killing Eve is that yeah, right she did yeah she was a showrunner on Killing Eve yeah yeah and you know very much has sim well has similar themes and ideas and like it was such a great series because it's just taking the spy genre but seeing it from a completely different perspective actually Absolutely, having a yeah. female lead and, a, and rather than having what an, a man thinks a female lead should be actually having like a woman's input on that and it being more realistic and I don't know I enjoy Killing Eve I've seen the first two series at least yeah yeah. I mean yeah I didn't really enjoy it but okay cool um, <laughs> right fair enough so um, uh, Miss Unseen Film um, wrote into us as well um, with a really comprehensive answer again made me feel um, made me look at things in slightly different ways and she says um, so as a woman watching Promising Young Women it was a cathartic experience for me seeing someone's life playing out post-trauma and attempting to bring justice was pretty liberating I think it came at a perfect time in the UK anyway after the tragic Sarah Everard story broke yeah. I'll go into that in a second in terms of the cultural zeitgeist Women have expressed how unsafe they feel and how their sexual abuse has gone ignored or rejected for so long. They felt like a bit of a rebuttal to that. Sorry, this felt like a bit of a rebuttal to that. The attitudes of people in this film, the Dean, for example, pinpointed exact issues with society's views on vi of victims and abusers. To me, that was a realistic, and to me that was realistic, and I'm just glad that it was explored in a film that lots of people are going to watch. So... There's a lot to unpack there. Like I think so. Sarah Everard for our US listeners, if you're UK, like you must know about it. Mm. Um, and if you don't, just just search it. But I'll go into it anyway. So Sarah Everard was um, this is really recent. A girl that was walking home from a friend's house and just went missing. Um, she, they were they were looking for her. Like everyone was looking for her for weeks. I think 
was it I think it was weeks um, and it turns out she'd been murdered um, she, she'd been murdered um, by a police officer um, yeah and I guess it was it was there was in in the UK especially there was a lot of there was so much sort of uproar about it, like and rightly so, obviously, because um, she couldn't even walk home. Is the point? She she yeah. couldn't walk home, and she did all the things she was told to do, which is. Well, I never realised these things. It's all these things that women have been told to do after a night out, for example. And it's like you should wear footwear that's appropriate, like in inverted commas, appropriate. So she wore trainers. She had a hoodie zipped up, like all, all. You know what I mean? It's trying to all these things that people are told to do. And I'm not being funny. It made me realise as a man, I have never once even thought about what I have to wear to walk home safely and it makes you realise you know people discuss white privilege and it's like male privilege is something I didn't even realise I never thought about no, because why Why would me. I and and reading all all of all around the news that happened with that it made me really think about that and yeah it's, it's crazy just as you said our viewpoint is so narrow really it is because yeah. we're in our own heads and it's so yeah. important to like you say educate and, and read up on these things yeah, I think um, it's 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 a really hard one for me, like for us, I, and it shouldn't be. Um, but we we don't experience it, and I think we need to think about how the other person is feeling. So, for example, like so, I w- I was on um, a call the other day, like it was a bit of training. It was called Go Big on Race, and it was um, it was about um, racial bias as well, and it was it, it was amazing to be honest. Um, but the one thing that went that um, this this man spoke about was that he is a six foot eight black man, um, and he doesn't. So what he so he thinks he has to think about other people around him. For example, when he shakes someone's hand. So mm. when I shake someone's hand, I just shake their hand. When he shakes someone's hand, he could crush their hand. So he has to be aware of the people that are around him, mm-hmm. and that is like us as men. So like we can do certain things to make women feel safer. For example, if we're walking home, cross the road. If you see yeah. a woman on, on your side, cross the road. If you're running, make yourself known. Like, yeah. make louder footsteps, do something. And there is certain things that we, we should be aware, like the, to make people feel safer, like keep your distance. Those kinds of things can make women feel safer. Um, luckily for us, good old us, men, being a man's great, isn't it? Because yeah, we don't have to worry about putting a head like taking a headphone out when we're running, and I think that there was a question asked like, oh, what what would you do if there was a curfew at nine p.m. for men, and women were putting like the most mundane things on, and they were like, oh, I'd, I'd go and sit on the beach alone, or oh, I'd run with my headphones in, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's such an eye opener, and it's so sad, and I guess us like we can we can only educate each other and we have a platform here and we can only educate the listeners that listen to it so we like we we said i said we said before the show like we were a little bit nervous about doing the podcast and because we didn't want to get too much into the societal issues but we again like we've decided that we have a platform and we we also like as again you said like as white men like as men privileged um we will use that platform to to discuss these things if like when the need arises and it does arise so thank you so much um for sending that in so i've got another couple that i'll go into now the next piece i've got in uh, is from kim who's um, a pretty good friend of mine um and so she says um it's hard to say without writing a huge essay on it 
but definitely read my review for a bit more. And I guess you, so you can find her at kims.cinema.escape on Instagram. Um, so she says she felt the film hit the nail on the head on rape culture and the complicitness of others. The scene at the Dean's office is probably prime example. It was very cathartic as well. Even though the ending was bleak and only resolved at her expense, it reflected real life in so many ways and didn't gloss over it. <laughs> I think a big takeaway, especially from a male point of view, is the ideas, the idea of guys stepping in when their friends are being gross, creepy, rapey. <laughs> and it's true in it, rapey is. Yeah. Don't don't let it don't just let it slide. That's essentially the point of her boyfriend's character. And I, I love this bit, and I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it, still, until like Kim had said it. Really, um, it's drilled in how lovely and perfect he is, but even he still allowed all of it to happen. Yeah, he enabled it. Like I said earlier, so I, when I said it earlier, I'd actually like the way it, it was Kim that made me f- like think about it in that, that way. way. Yeah, she said, always believe the victim as well. One that's important is how much almost all women will relate to what happens in the film, whether it's just harmless in quotations sexual assault or full-on rape to put it bluntly yeah and yeah i mean again not really much that we can add to that but really really important i think that she's like fully right on the fact that like the complicitness of others and it shows the complicitness of others um both men and women uh throughout the film the scene at the dean's office we mentioned um yeah, it's 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 a difficult scene. It's a re- yeah, it's a really difficult scene because it's basically like we what is it she says again, we get these accusations all the time. Yeah. And then she defends Al Monroe saying, Oh, he gave a talk last week on yeah. blah 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 and, yeah. and it's just like, Oh my goodness. It shows how it's been swept under the rug and completely forgotten about. Exactly. Yep. And so that was from Kim. Um and so I guess we've got so one last one that I received from another friend Julia so actually Julia mentioned some really um, so, so another thing that like so for me we, we've talked about how funny the film is all the way through so she says I have heard Promising Young Woman described as a dark comedy which I find interesting maybe it is but I also found the subject matter to be so sad and so full of truth that it was hard to find anything funny about much of it wow I guess I, I know. I guess I should preface this all by saying that I love the film and found it very heartbreaking that many women and girls' lives are ruined by these thoughtless actions, mostly by men like these. Especially when you mix Ivy League status hungry people, it seems far too common that women get overpowered and given less of a second thought when they're treated as just a bit of fun. The fact that her death was kind of the only reason they were they got in trouble was so heartbreaking. I also loved how the lawyer was the only character she foraged because he didn't have an excuse he didn't try to talk his way out of it he was just like listen i effed up and it was wrong sorry julia this is a family show i effed up and it was wrong and the accountability was so great to see although so sad i think some people would take issue with the fact that literally all men in the film except for the lawyer's character were awful but i think that it is a testament to the underlying thought process in all people kind of like, even after her death, Bo's character still pinned on her being unstable, which kind of shows just how ingrained this thinking is. So, she says, Really good guys are such a treasure, and I'm really lucky to know a few. Oh, sorry, I didn't, this was not. <laughs> I don't need to hear the last bit. I think I know where I was going. Yeah, she said, you included. 
she was talking about me. Um, so on the edge of all the negative parts, it really is amazing to be able to experience kindness and respect from so many good people. So brilliant message. Thank you what, so much for that. It was, yeah, they were all amazing. Um, it's hard though. And, like and, it's, uh, I tell you what's hard for me and, 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 and it's just how much that I've, I've not considered these points of view. If I'm being no, brutally me, me honest, neither. just if I'm being me completely neither. honest, there's no point me sitting here and preaching saying, I've thought about all these things and, and you know, and, you know, like we know it or we don't. And I just, nope. I just think it makes me realize how, one, how lucky I am, but two, just how crap it must be. Minwa it, it, hit the nail on the head, just, right? When Minwa hit the nail on the head when she said, um, men who think they know. And it's funny yeah. because, like, before I would, I'd have been, did, would I have, um, if you just said to me, oh, um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think these women are going to come back with? Um, I'd I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. Blah blah blah. But I, I, would I th- would I have thought I'd have learnt as much as I did from their comments? No, honestly, no. The the so, insight we have had for this, honestly, because Jay, I'll be honest, Jamie had WhatsApp them to me before the pod because we were we were talking about it and. I'm not being dramatic, but it genuinely just blew me away because it's just, as I said, I just, I've never in my life had to even consider any of the things that what seems like day-to-day activity, being able to get the bus home or walk somewhere or yeah. run or do anything. I don't think about it. And, and I didn't even realise it was a privilege to not think about it. And it Thank is. And it and honestly, it depressed me. And the, and the film did because it makes you realise how... <laughs> how well like i said how rubbish it can be and i just you know i've got a sister you've got a sister and and may, maybe when i was younger or growing up I, or, or now i should have spoke more to her about this stuff maybe she would have given me better insight and i know you were saying like, you chatted to vicky about it afterwards about you know and i chatted to her about it afterwards and i don't know yeah. it's just it's it's crazy well, i think i think the world's changed a lot as well in terms of um the so i, I always say this um in terms of the visibility this is getting now it's it's i think that um it's not happening more in terms of like these kinds of things it's certainly not happening more um what i think is that actually we've got visibility of it now so yeah. like back then when there was no internet people aren't getting caught and when it's in no the shadows people aren't getting caught exactly so yeah. like you've got like serial cheaters like all throughout like all throughout history right but they're not getting caught because no one's getting their facebook all those kinds of things so i think that technology has helped us it's just helped us gain visibility and gain it's 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 the most wonderful gift in the world and also the worst at times i think but, what's so, been yeah. great is the fact though that you know without the internet well we wouldn't be doing the podcast and all this but also we wouldn't be able to reach out to people literally uh, people all over the world have emailed in for well, that feedback minwa, right minwa you know is, so, so we've got minwa who's in bahrain yeah and we have um julia who is in i think she's near seattle America, but it's I think it's, it's, I don't think it's yeah. I'm so sorry, I forgot that wrong. It's video. amazing to be able to connect with different people from all over to get these these different viewpoints yeah, and insight. Yeah. And I, I must say that we are keen not just for films such as Promising Young Woman, but just in general. Like I think we need to get better at saying the films we're doing earlier, so we and can have I'm a section seeing... like this because it's actually really nice. Rather than just me saying, this is what we think, actually hearing yeah. what other people think and and taking those ideas on board. So yeah. that is something. Can I, can I just say, yeah, Miss Unseen Film, she actually like brought that to my attention. She said mm-hmm. like, she literally like fully said it. And I was like, mm, yeah, she, she's right. And I texted you and I said, she's right. You said she's right. Um, she said like, um, do you often reach out to women for um, 
sort of their their opinions about the podcast um, or the film that you're watching, blah blah blah. Or like I mean, she said, I hope you do. And I said, well, we we ask we we offer everyone to ask questions each week. Do we specifically reach out to women? No, we probably should. We probably should. So yeah, I mean, we'll leave you with that. Um, just sorry to. Just to say a massive thank you to everyone who did get involved with this because I know oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit different for the format that we normally do and I really hope it's helped. I don't want to sound preachy with, with Educate, no. but I hope it's given people insight because for us, it was it was so great to hear from people and hear such, like you said, unfortunately, very similar viewpoints from people all for over people the world. Don't, you, yeah, for but, people that don't know each other. Yeah, for people who don't know each other. They come up with the same, similar things and, and that's the sad thing. But yeah, no, thank you so much. It's yeah, been, thank you guys. Yeah, I've... It's it's sort of opened my eyes more as well, um, and I thought, as Minwa said, I thought my eyes were quite open, but they opened further, even further. Right. So now it's time to talk about the film that we paired, promising young women this week with promising young women with this week. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, so there was a lot of thoughts in my head. Um, it's usually me that picks a parent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I usually try and pick something that Johnny hasn't seen. Um, I didn't like mean to make him so uncomfortable this week. Um, one of my first thoughts was to pick um, Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale, but that would have ruined him and he never would have come back on the pod. <laughs> so we went with Revenge from 2017. Women always. This film was so violent that it made me already queasy. It's not my thing. It's probably an accurate depiction of a lot of violence because there was so much blood for gunshots, etc. You didn't like the physical effects? All the physical effects? No. The filmmaking, the craft, everything. I think it's a stunning film. The cinematography of it is amazing. It's, it looks very much like Mad Max Fury Road colours, like really punchy oh, yeah. blue, oh, God, yeah. orange yeah, desert. Yeah, love love that stuff. But for me, it was hyper violent, and I'm not going to lie, I found it really difficult to watch. I, I, there's, <laughs> well, I know we don't normally go into too many spoilers for the for the second film, but Jamie, do you want to give a quick synopsis, and then I'll go into the bits that made me crazy. <laughs> so, uh, revenge. Uh, 2017, directed by Coralie Fargue. I think she is a French director. Um, so it's basically about um, a woman called Jen. So she goes on this like romantic getaway with her like rich boyfriend who is married. Um, and it's basically like, so I guess they're having this really nice time. Um, he is nipping off for like little calls with his wife and stuff. And then his mates get there and his mates are looking at her like she is a piece of meat and that we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but basically, um, she dances with one of them. Um, next day he, uh, rapes her and then it becomes a big thing. And then they try and kill her and she survives and it becomes, it's, it's essentially on the surface. It is a rape revenge film. I prefer to view it as an action survival thriller. Yeah, I think I'll be honest. I found it quite difficult from watching Promising Young Woman, which I thought was dealing with 
very similar issues in a very subtle, different way. And as you said, this is essentially more of an action revenge movie using the plot device of rape. And I think, to be honest, for me, I found that difficult to get my head around having just watched Promising Young Woman. If I'm being completely honest, I, f- I found yeah. it it was quite, you know? I guess um, well, they're, I guess they're completely different films. Absolutely. And sense. let's be clear, like, we don't link things that are completely the same. Like, that's not what we're here to do. But I think I just found it hard to view i know that it's it's an empowering experience for her because she is literally she's reborn the character and she has her revenge but i still found it hard and i think that's the point like obviously it's intentionally difficult like it's not supposed to be it's very easy watch it's it's very difficult it's Uh, yeah it's a hard subject matter to build a revenge film around so for me personally to like get invested with i found that difficult and i don't know rightly or wrongly i felt better when i knew it was a female director because i thought well like this would have been dealt with sensitively on set and you know does that make sense i don't i don't know i just i found it really hard to get into that maybe i was trying to view it not too seriously because that's not what i'm trying to say but just maybe i was just viewing it in the wrong angle maybe it was the wrong time to see it you know i don't know so right okay so could this be and this is me a question to you johnny boy is you like what rape revenge film have you watched before any probably not i don't yeah and so i feel oh go with the drunk tattoo yeah so yeah okay yeah okay so so both go with drunk tattoos and again those are difficult to watch for very good reason and they are very very uncomfortable and but I think it's not so the central idea of that film. It's an it's a character moment of that film, but it's not the reason she does the things she does. It's another event in her life. Does that make sense? So, yeah, in, Girl, so in Girl with Dragon Tattoo, it's not her defining character moment isn't that. For me, yeah, I, you know, I feel yeah. like she's a fully-fledged character. Unfortunately she's part of institutional abuse and that's something that happens to her and it's it's just dealt with differently personally like that's that was my takeaway i mean like yeah i know what you're saying and so obviously for me like i have watched um rape revenge films in the past like Mm -hmm. so i guess like i spit on your grave is one of the the most most, important ones most iconic yeah um you've got um films like hard candy um, you've got more recent films like The Nightingale, which I'd never dream of telling you to watch that. And I feel like this was this film was dealt with. Um, it, you can tell. So the way the way the film starts off, as you say, it's like the male gaze, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, it's all it's all like it's so uncomfortable. Like it's a pop. It's like a pop it, music like, video. There's a helicopter landing. The sky's all super blue, okay. and it's, it's like it totally is. Yeah. It's how how would this um, this character be? shown in like a in a music video so her sunglasses are tinted down and she's got a, a lollipop and they're making it look in an alluring way and the camera's only focusing on her body not really her as well dressed all in yeah. pink it's all um, all done on purpose and i think that the i think one of the most obviously the most poignant part of the film is she they they're all getting drunk together like her and these three men one of them who 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 of which she's sleeping with um and she dances with one of the guys who quite likes her but right 
the the way that's done, it's done to make you think, oh yeah, like it's that whole um, victim blaming. Yeah, she dances with him, therefore she must like him, therefore he's allowed to rape her. Yeah, um, and in actual fact, like she's dancing with him, that still gives him no right to do anything. So the next day, it kind of like she says. So she says to him, and it's the worst. It's the most horrible thing. She says. He he sits down next to her and he's trying it on with her like while um, she just got out of the shower and he's and he was literally yeah. watching her get changed. It's it's really yeah. uncomfortable. And he's like, uh, "What don't you like about me?" And she's like, "It's really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable." And she's and he's like, "She's like, oh, um, oh, you're I, not my type. Really not to, you're not my type." And then he's like, "No, no, no. What don't you like about me?" And he's and then in the end, she's like, um, "Okay, um, I prefer tall guys. You're too small." And he's like. Did my height change since yesterday? Yeah, and I just, she's like, "What? What?" And yeah. he's like, "Did my height change since yesterday?" And it's a really, it's a horrible, pressurized, scene. horrible. It's a really close two shot as well of the two yeah. of them. And yeah. um, again, it starts with a shot showing there's quite a lot of distance between them, but he's literally invading in on her space. So it's really clever use of the shots, actually, because as an audience member, you just feel that uncomfortable with a line of questioning never mind what follows which is obviously abhorrent but just even before you get to that just yeah. how uncomfortable he's making her and it's not is it's not his brother who's with him is it it's another another no, it's friend another friend and he's and he <sighs> right and so this and this part now right this is um we're not going to go play by play we're just going to read no, like sorry. we are actually just going to like pretty chat about this like in a second but basically um he he begins to like sexually assault her like he he's going to rape her and then his friend walks in and sees it and he's he's disgusting and he's eating this Mars bar and it's a close-up shot of the teeth like chomping, chomping down. down. Yeah. And it's like almost like showing the animalistic like and how disgusting he is. And then he's got a choice to make. He either can stop it from happening. Or walk away. Or, or do nothing. He chooses to do nothing. And again, that's another really poignant piece enabling behavior and don't be a bystander yeah do something and so after that yeah they um yeah that that happens um she's like obviously extremely upset she uh, threatens to out the relationship to to her partners yep. uh to to his what? wife and that's what tips their decision which is they drive her well, no. There, there's a foot chase. They, there is a foot chase. A foot chase. And <laughs> sorry, yeah, that's, chase a thing. Sorry, I've, I've never. Have you ever heard I've of foot never chase? Had a foot chase. Explain to explain to the listeners what a foot chase is. Running. <laughs> right. Okay. On so foot. So, you, so you're so not she, on a motorbike or something. Oh, so she runs away. You right. say car chase. Foot chase is legitimate. There you are, dear listeners. Um, I challenge you to a foot chase. <laughs> okay. Uh, when I see you on Saturday, we'll we'll have a foot chase. Me, you, and Peter. I think I'll be all right. I think I might win. Anyway, mm, I don't think you, no. If it was over a hundred meters, I'd smash you both. Mm, okay. So on oh, that. Okay. It's on. See <laughs> Saturday. You're getting it. So right. after they run away, they run literally to a cliff edge, and you think there's no escape from here. This isn't going to go well, and you're lulled into a full set of security because. They try and talk around with a job and an offer to keep silent, and you think they pay her off. Yeah, they want you, to pay you, her you off think and move her to a different country. Yeah, and you think, oh, Canada. You know, oh, she, like is she going to take the deal? What's going to happen? And just as you think it's all going to be resolved, they is this too spoilery for for uh, this? No, I think it's, it's an important no, part of the not, film because it's, it's in the trailer. To be honest, so they push her. They push her off a cliff. They push her off a cliff, and the film is about surviving that ordeal and how she is quite literally reborn 
there's a lot of things I liked about this film. There's a lot of symbolism in it throughout. There is a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of religious symbolism, just yeah. like in Promising Young Woman. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, so there's a, oh man, and, and I love this piece. So she, she obviously survives, like crawls away. Um, and there's very, so she's wearing like um, this, She's wearing all pink, like, at the beginning of the film. Then she changes to all black. Like, there's a lot of, like, the colours really... And the hair changes as well, like, after the instant. It goes from blonde blonde to, like, brown-ish, like... Yep. Yep. And um, she is um, essentially, like, she's given this drug at the beginning of the film, like... And she's told to look after it and and never take it. It's a crazy hallucinogen that, like... A man that is described... A man once sawed his own leg off and didn't feel a thing. (laughs) So she, at this point, has... a. A tr- like a branch of tree oh, like a really God. thick branch of tree through her through her side and then she goes into this cave battered bruised and this is where i really seen this is um definitely biblical like she goes into the cave broken like jesus goes in um, and she she this can of beer that she has like she uses it like to cauterize the wound and it tattoos a picture of an eagle or phoenix i saw phoenix, it as, a phoenix yeah. as in her being reborn and then she emerges from the, from the cave dressed in all black in a very um lara croft slash Sarah ripley Collins. yeah all, ripley, all that all of those like heroines throughout the years like amazing apparently the director's really like her big take was she um really loves films such as rambo those kind of revenge movies and that was the inspiration which I found really interesting so and I got the impression from the interviews leading up to promoting the film that she'd very much like to have a chance on a big big action series and one thing I would say is the action in this film is really really good so it'd be really really interesting to see a take on a series not like I don't really want to see another Rambo film to be honest with Rocky but it was with Rocky (laughs) Sylvester Stallone but I just you know what I mean I like yeah I'd like to see a big budget action film I really enjoyed um, if she did something similar to like Sicario that that kind you know what I mean yeah. that kind of yeah. that well, kind of genre that yellow, that yellow um, teal and orange color, look color it's color called color. yeah teal and orange what's it called teal and orange it's the colour grade so it's like that blue's like right, a okay. teal blue and then orange orange being orange but yeah well, it just there you go Educate, you haven't educated the listeners for a while no sorry I haven't but I was going to say though it's this film was shot in Australia so I love the scenery it's like it's quite biblical anyway because it's so ancient and old but what I found yeah. really like selfishly for me me and Harriet um, we lived in Australia for a year and we went travelling around the outback which is literally obviously desert and as we were driving through we used to camp up some places and there would literally be nothing for miles around very similar in this film and I, I said to you previously I think I told you when I was there I was just waiting for the day when someone would just appear at the window as I wake up and just like a jump scare in a horror film <laughs> so it's really when you're watching like a film like this and it's that kind of setup, I felt like I yeah, could really yeah. relate to it because I could. Well, I'm, no, I can't relate to it. I'm not being in that situation at all. But just the feeling of being in such a desolate place in the middle of nowhere and no one being around it is it is really creepy. Like even though I think we were there. that so yeah, I think that's terrifying. By the way, it's a little yeah. bit like the sea, like the ocean, like, yeah, the desert. Like it's very much like anything could happen and I'd be screwed. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So the what I was going to say was that um, the so the, I did want to mention one thing interpretation that I did have was the man that um, basically came in saw her getting raped and decided to walk back out 
she actually stabs him with a machete in both in his eyes. eyes yeah because he yeah, is like see no evil the not see no evil here no evil yeah. but you know what i mean it's that kind of yeah i, I saw, saw that. it but no, done nothing yeah so she's um, punishing him really, by removing his sight yeah really while he died that. Um, as well but he, he does he dies um yeah exactly right so just so you know we've had a question from film forager if you were being chased by someone out to murder you do you have a place that you think you'd be safe where you would hide you first oh god me fe- right okay do you know what I'd do I'd go to Cineworld <laughs> of course you would local cinema I'd go to Cineworld and I would go and um, I'd go and watch um, uh, what film would I go I'm trying to think of a film let's think of a film that I'd watch I would get tickets to go and see Rabid because no one else would be in there. <laughs> no one else would dare go in there. Not the David Cronenberg version. I'd go and see the new Rabbit because no one else would dare go in there. Okay. Um, so I think I'd be pretty safe. Niche. I. Well, I was trying to be like, I was trying to be creative. So uh, do you know what I tell? Do you know? Right. Okay. I'm gonna. Johnny's Johnny's struggling for an answer, so I'm gonna tell you what Johnny would I've, do. I've got I've got an answer, but you tell me what I'd do because I'm intrigued to hear. Okay. Go on. Let's yeah. let's hear that. So he'd take. Um, Neve Campbell's advice in Scream why are you running up the stairs when you should be running out the front door now Johnny loves to run so Johnny <laughs> would go straight out the front door and he'd just run and he'd be like Forrest Gump and he would be <laughs> running I'd be running and he wouldn't stop running and that, he'd get that's a bit tired like, I, he'd run and they, they'd, they'd run out of stamina definitely run out of stamina I just thought I'd run, sorry I'd run out of stamina yeah, I I, <laughs> I I just thought I'd I'd elope to Spain and keep quiet. To be honest, oh that's rubbish. <laughs> so, you asked an honest minute. No, yeah, yeah. If you want me to do a foot chase, which we like, we're now allowing, then then yeah, foot chase is on. You missed the part where you say I'd run out of stamina, as in I was chasing you to murder you. You missed that bit. What you were trying to kill me? Why would you try and kill me? Because yeah. I haven't edited the pod yet. Too late. Yeah, you better hurry up. Edit it now. That's um, it. So yeah, that, that was from Project. We Excellent. did have another question. We've we've got one last question. I've, I wanted to keep the questions to a minimum this week because it's going to be a long episode again. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's going to be a good one, right? Well, I've not had time to even consider this, and neither of you because I didn't send you it. So thanks. For I'm that. sorry for being for not preparing you again. Um, so Quinn, views by Quinn writes in. He said you can and you can find him at views by Quinn. Uh, on Instagram, um, what films had a great concept but poor execution, and should get a remake? Oof! Oh, that is a hard one because I'm going to think off the top of my head. The first always comes in with the hard ones. I was going to. Oh, s- that sounded a bit. Sorry, that sounded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's staying in. Um- <laughs> oh dear. Um- oh, man, that's that's like that's that's tickled me. Um- <laughs> right. <sighs> Let's think about films that have got a good concept but are poorly executed. I've right. got a TV series for it. I think Man in the High Castle is one of my favourite Philip K. Dick ideas of like the world, seeing the world if the Nazis won the war. But I oh, really... What an amazing idea. Yeah, but then the series I just found completely meandering and not great. Yeah. I know you specifically said film, so I apologise. But What that about is, Blade Runner? I think 2049 basically did all the things... <laughs> I, was, I was joking. No, 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 but honestly, no, no, no. It's no, one of the greatest... No, no, no. Let's be clear. Blade Runner for me is one of the best films visually but no one could honestly say to me they think it's narratively a great experience in storytelling and getting involved in character I don't think it is that 
I think that's a fair. I think I think. Do you no, know? For once, no, I'm no. sitting here scared. No, don't worry about it. I I think what I liked about Blade Runner 2049 is it's a really it's taken all the best elements of Blade Runner and it was a story well told. So that's almost an example of what Quinn's saying, which is not poorly executed, but has an improved version of it. Honestly, I think that's what it was for me. I mean, I am really struggling. Uh, to think of anything off the top of my head and I almost feel like I feel quite bad and I guess um, I've got nothing I've I've really at this point I've got nothing this Um, is why we prep (laughs) this is why we prep Um, and do you know okay then do you know what I'll do I'm going to re-answer this on the next episode I I agree because I have failed you Quinn I must say as well, actually, the first one that came to my mind, which is really random, I was thinking of 2003 Daredevil because, like, the suit, I think, looks amazing. I think the aesthetic of that film is correct. Like, it's all right, but the storyline is just rubbish. (laughs) But then it's got a good suit. You know when him and Jennifer Garner, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, are having a fight in the park? Can you remember it? Is it too oh, long ago? I've, I've got it on, oh, on DVD. It's but, um, so just like trying to be Matrixy and and not good. But there's what I'm saying is that's a film where like all the visual elements for me lined up with how I wanted it to be, but just yeah. the execution and as as the point of this, the idea was just bad and not not good well ideas, done. but poor execution. We're going to oh, come back God. to that because we're not doing it any justice and we're rambling on. So we are no. Let's get back to are. that. So, um, guys. Well, I, th- I think I think you've had your fill. That's it's been a pretty intense show. It's been a bit different from what we'd usually do, but I've really enjoyed it, and I'm, I really do hope that it's. Um, I, I hope that we've done the films that we've covered justice. That's that's what I hope. Yeah, we were if really we nervous then. about like making sure that we talk about how how much we've enjoyed these films, but also the fact that it's got such conversation going, which I think is amazing that film can do that you know because i don't know I, think, yeah. I don't know if we would have had this conversation without watching promising young woman and i think that's why it's i, I can say if we would never have had this conversation yeah. without watching promising and i think young that's woman. why it's so important that this film is getting the oscar recognition sorry the, why this film is getting the oscar recognition right now because it is going to get people who may not have even considered these things or people hearing different insight like we have on the pod today yeah this yeah as as we know yeah there's far too many yeah well i don't yeah i don't <laughs> i don't really know what else to say like that's um that's a really nice way to sum it up we you know we never ever shy away from anything on here like we always want to be honest we always want to cover things um in a really thorough way and we'll always we'll always be we'll always tell you the truth like and how we feel like and 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 going forward we will always grab opinions from others um unlike ourselves because it can bring fantastic insight just like it has today and that being said we must end the show that's the end um as per usual please go on your little epilogue tunes i don't know why i did it um Cockney. dick van dyke but go on your little epilogue tunes give us five stars please um Give us five stars on your Apple iTunes. Is that, is that what you call it? I feel like an old yeah. man saying it like that. Oh, have you got Apple iTunes? Is that what you say? Yeah, on iTunes. Go on your Apple Podcasts. 
No, it's podcasts. Well, no, it's not Apple iTunes. On, go on podcasts. Oh, Apple podcasts. I'm, so th- I'm such a 32-year-old man. You I? are. And Spotify. Um, a lot of our listeners are actually on Spotify. If you look at the breakdown, a lot of, lot of you guys are. are on Spotify. Right, okay. So you can't rate us on Spotify, but definitely download us and still listen to us. How Johnny? The amount of effort Johnny's put in, like he's got a, he's got a little tent fort with his like so just to make his mic sound better he's in a fort right now he just wants to be younger again um so what what's wrong with that why are you looking at me weird you want to be young i am anyway, young. right cool that is the end of the show i have been a very banned i've been banned all the time on instagram i'm constantly banned at the moment and i've done nothing wrong please um vindicate me um i am at movies in a nutshell and you are at jcb.video thank you so much guys and we'll see you in a fortnight oh sorry just forgot to mention the next film Mad Max Fury Road get it up here